Hey, everybody. Chris here, producer Chris, with a quick announcement before we start the show. I am here to tell you that we are back. We're coming back, baby. The torture never stops. We are back on the road doing a tour of shows in front of the upcoming Democratic primaries, which means we are going back to Iowa. That's right. If you are in Iowa, we will be at the Iowa City Englert Civic Theater, February 1st, uh, ahead of the Iowa caucuses. And then we will be in New Hampshire, Derry, New Hampshire, at the Tupelo Music Hall, February 9th, ahead of the New Hampshire primaries. We will also be coming to Las Vegas uh, sometime at a date that Virgil has not yet sent me because he is not awake yet. Uh, that will be sometime the week of February 17th ahead of the Nevada caucuses, uh, February 22nd. So, again, Inglert Civic Theater, February 1st, Iowa City, back to Iowa. We can't stay away. And Derry, New Hampshire, the Tupelo Music Hall, February 9th in New Hampshire. These dates and links to tickets are on chapotraphouse.com slash tour. Nevada, we are coming for you as well. If there is a primary in your state, we might be there unless you live in the American South, in which case we will never come. So go to chapotraphouse.com slash tour, and then now listen to this episode of the podcast, Chapo Trap House. Let's go. Hello, everybody. Shaco uh, here. Um, okay, so to get down into it. You guys were there. You guys saw. You came and saw. Tell me, what did it look like okay. when the fourth okay. seal was open? Okay, so uh, um, we're, we're standing there, right in this. Like first, you're in this like a like a kind of like a cafe, like a, a coffee gift shop area. And then, uh, you know, the bouncer comes and they read you the rules, you know, don't touch, um, you know, they will come to you. Uh, and then they lead you to this back area where you got to wash your hands. Right. And then they take you inside and it's just cats everywhere. It was like it was it was I never wanted to leave. And it was just I think Matt said it was like. Like they had like vaporized Xanax, just uh, 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 you know, pumping that in there. Yeah, because it was the most calming experience. I was drinking so many beverages and seeing those all were of these all cats. just full of toxoplasmosis. Oh yeah, everyone in there's brain is just slowly being eaten by super intelligent larvae. Uh, they have toys there, and they've got boxes, and also, um, I, so like uh, about like an hour and thirty minutes in, I realize, uh, oh right, I'm allergic to cats. Yeah, that was the funniest thing. We went to a cat cafe, and, and Virgil is cat emporium. Totally uh, Check entranced it out. by all these cats. Meanwhile, his face is slowly swelling up, and his eyes are getting smaller and smaller. And he just starts sneezing, and he's like, "I don't know what's wrong." And we just, I think we were saying, "Are you allergic to cats?" And he goes, "Yes." And we're talking to him, and his features are getting harder and harder to make out around the swollen. It's like a loaf of bread baking and slowly filling up a, a, a model. And there's a there's a booklet there too that you know has all the biographical information about the cats you know the likes and their dislikes that sort of thing uh you know, paw size and uh the it also includes uh a section a manifesto a section called our ethos and the uh main points of the the cat religion are 
one cannot force cats to do anything. Fact. No animal stays in the cafe that does not wish to stay. Every animal has a right to dignity. Animal welfare takes priority over customer demands. No sex in the champagne room. And the cats are always right. And honestly, you know, I, I read all the, uh, all the UK party manifestos, and, you know, I think that one edges labors out for the best one. Yeah, well, cats voted for Brexit. After the apocalypse, that will be the new law. That will be the new order. First of all, I think it's a shame that um, you are allergic to cats and, you know, you want to have a, a cat's experience, but in a, you know, safe environment in which you, your body won't, you know, re- reject, reject them. And I think it would be best that you experience cats in the safety of a movie theater where you can watch them on screen singing <laughs> and being portrayed by no, human no, beings. No, 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 no. Sort of sexy. No, like, he cannot no. see this movie Andrew for his own musical. good. Oh, yeah. Me, me and the gang are going to go watch it this no, weekend. No, <laughs> no. Virgil cannot watch Cats. It will trigger something horrifying. We no, can't no. let it happen. Virgil seeing the movie adaptation of Cats in theater will be his final becoming. He will become the Red Dragon after seeing that movie. Before him, we rightly tremble. Yeah, I, I emerge from the theater like covered in ash. All my hair is burnt off. Like dang Daenerys Targaryen. I think you mean Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> where are we going with this? Well, uh, how, about, how about where you went? Why don't you start there? All right, so we went to the damn England. We saw the England. We did the Iggy. We did the Iggy. <laughs> Sadly, uh, did the Iggy. We were there to do some shows and to encourage people to, uh, you know, vote for Labor. And uh, apparently, dummies didn't get the damn message, <laughs> though. Uh, so we all, you know, we're all familiar with the election result. It was a really bad result for Labor. It was a good result for the Tories, who uh, Boris Johnson won a majority, and they can do all their evil schemes. It was a load of bollocks. Uh, yeah. Actually, the interesting thing we saw a uh, story today that uh, you know how um, Cameron, uh, sorry, Johnson promised to uh, you know do a, 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 a wage increase, minimum wage increase, and uh, you know avoid these cuts to the NHS or privatizing the NHS and all this money for schools and stuff. Uh, it turns out that may not have been honest or true. What? Uh, I Wait re- a minute. Are you telling me that Boris Johnson reneged on a promise? I'm surprised. I can't credit that as fucking I, I'm, I'm shocked because when we canvassed door to door in a, a marginal district, uh, you know, a, a woman told us, an older woman told us, Oh, no, I don't think he's lying. So, yeah. you know, there we go. We had it yeah. right there. From yeah, the real, yeah, we said real he's going to do this bad stuff. And she was just like, I don't believe it. I just don't believe it. He's just too honest. Who doesn't trust a fucking canned ham with a wig? Um, that's well, another he note. is doing some things already. Um, I guess today he said he's going to end prosecutions of Troubles veterans. So that's cool. Right. A war, just a mass yeah. war criminal yeah. uh, exoneration there. Yeah. That's nice. Well, those the, the children of Bally Murphy really had it coming. Absolutely. Um, but I, I, I do note the canvassing, which we talked about at our live show in London, because uh, the, the district that we canvass in, uh, Dogoham. Yes. <laughs> the Heckin' Pupper District. That was a labor it's hold. In, it's in Heckin' on Pupper. That was a narrow labor hold. All thanks we to did us. it. All thanks to Chapo. Yeah. We did it. Chapo. I I'm say it's Come us. on, bring it in. We did it. As for the other We did our part. Everyone else fucked up. As for the other 649 constituencies, that's the other podcast. That was their turn. Come down. That was Pod Save. Come on, Pod Save the Queen. What the fucking hell, the dollop? What is wrong with you? I mean, I guess I'm hoping you guys will. Will 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 take me take me through your you know Dante like trip to the nightmare that yeah, I want nightmare Hell Island that I hope to never visit again. Um, but I, I mean, I'm, forgive me if you've uh, if you already discussed this, but I'm I'm actually mostly curious. 
what it was like for you three canvassing in doggo ham. Like when you <laughs> knocked on people's doors and they saw like, you know, Matt, Virgil, and Amber. Did you guys, were you guys all together or? Yeah, we were dressed like the three stooges. You know, <laughs> we all tried to get in their door at the same time. We offered yeah, to move a... their grand piano. Uh, there was this incident with a ladder. I don't even want to get into it. We did various pairs um, and uh, two, 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 individual, two individual doors. Um, it's a pretty diverse neighborhood. It's actually like, for Matt and I, it was like, a, it's a post-industrial town Um uh, around the perimeter of London that used to have a Ford plant and now mostly manufactures unemployment. Uh, so it was like going home. Honestly, I mean, maybe in terms of the, the general economic you know conditions, but I just can't get over how different housing is. Yeah. Here. Yeah. I cannot, I cannot feel yeah. in any way at, at home it's much more or social that I'm in housing. a familiar relationship. Walking in that neighborhood with those tight little houses, like pressed up together. It does those, make you think that maybe there is something streets. to like, actual just like um you know architectural like sociology it's like you know maybe if people have to like live next to each other they do it's have to honestly true. I, I really it's like the that. ideology of america yeah. is like carved out of its yeah. of its fucking road infrastructure I mean, like very diverse and, but, neighborhood um yeah. lots of um Lots of African immigrants, Indian immigrants. Um, we saw a few Onslows, if anyone has ever uh, watched Keeping Up Appearances. No. No. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, great character. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I got a lot of labor voters. We did get some people who said, most of us actually got people who said they were had always voted labor, but not this time. And they all said it's because they just can't trust that bloody No, Jeremy no, not even Corbin. trust. Not even trust. It's I just I just don't like him. Yeah, uh, I, I, don't I got why. trust. You got trust. I got oh. trust. Yeah, we, we yeah, got yeah. dislike. I just yeah. Corbin is a bridge too far. I Which, cannot. You, you know, reading uh, some of the, the post-election experiences by you know people who worked on that campaign, uh, people who canvassed for labor, they got the same thing. A lot mm-hmm. of people got the same thing, and, and the polling suggests that that was a very high level of concern for a lot of people. Uh, well, yeah. um, so the residents of Dagenham and Barkingham, yes, I swear. Barking in Doggoham. No, barking in Doggoham. Um, they were a very big leave town um, because uh, things like the EU factored into the flight of their former manufacturing base. And a lot of people rightfully were very troubled by labor's equivocation on um, leaving the European Union. Woo! Not in a good mood. <laughs> No, it, well, I mean, okay, I was, so here's what it was really like. You know, we, we did the shows and we felt a lot of energy. And it was really staggering that so many people in, in our audience, you know, they were going out canvassing. And as I understand it, there's more of a canvassing culture there. Well, yeah, and especially more recently, too. Like, there is more of a canvassing culture, I think, generally. But, like, with momentum, like, it, they really upped the game. And I think, actually, they did an impressive job of getting out into what they call marginals, which we've decided doesn't sound very nice. Oh, no. Swing voters. Swing is better, right? Marginals means it makes it sound like you don't matter, which Mm -hmm. actually it just means that you're swing. People also seem more amenable. It means you're a swinger, which is hot. It's a beautiful babies out there. They all have tea parties. Jazz and whale and (laughs) dance, dance, dance with my baby. But but they did do a really good job of getting out to those places. But the thing is, a lot of just like... um, I mean, it, it's pretty clear on the map, like the kind of post-industrial manufacturing places, places that had always, even throughout Thatcher, gone for labor, just 
said fuck it or more frequently than not didn't show up to the polls at all sound familiar they had the manpower but the 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 message you know it wasn't connecting they weren't they weren't selling the product yeah labor i think was uh unable to regain the trust of voters after let's be honest a pretty shit run here for a while and one note uh so according to uh exit surveys uh about 30% 30% of the 2017 labor voters who were leavers voted conservative this time around. And that's like, that's like a million votes yeah. right there. That's if, if they had stayed with labor, that would have had the margin of victory. They Which still is most of England. Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, they still, they still would have lost, but I mean, it would have had the margin of victory. And, but as well, among those voters, like Brexit was like 10% of their concern. They're 50% of them said, now the reason why we left labor was because I just don't like him. Actually, it depends on how you look at how that's worded. So some people said it's a problem with the leadership. leadership. Yeah. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I don't like him. That can mean literally a lot of things. That means I don't trust him. That means I think he's like a silly London cosmopolitan. That means I don't like that he's a vegetarian. Like He's a gooner. Yeah, he's a gooner. I mean, like, they take that stuff very seriously. Oh, yeah, I think... Um, on, on I, I think you can attribute a lot more of it to Brexit stuff. Uh, more generally, I think they're going to... The right of labor is going to try this, try to blame this on the fact that Jeremy Corbyn is, has been a holdout of the far left of the party. But mm. the thing is, when they pull those same areas... They like the policies. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I personally, like my personal view of it, I think, you know, he was he was hurt by you know, five years of the media, you know, mm. just attacking him relentlessly. And they did very well. He did very well in those area two years ago with the two, same fucking manifesto. Right, two years ago when he was a joke to everyone, everyone yeah. thought, you know, oh, there's no way, you know, the, uh, anything's going to happen except a Tory victory for Theresa May. Uh, so, you know, they kept their powder a little dry. But after that, it's like, OK, no, fuck this guy. And we've got to we've got to wrap really tired too. like they're like, OK, so like their election seasons are technically short. Yeah, like incredibly short. Six weeks. But you know how we have been like living through an election for 100 years now? Endless election, baby. I love it. Yeah. So it's been like that. But with something called Brexit, which a yeah. lot of people by the end of it, Regardless of how they voted, we're just like, for the love of God, please end this. That's and why put the Tory slogan misery. was so good. It was a good slogan. Get yeah. Brexit it was done. A good slogan. It was so you could talk about something else. And as well, anything, yeah. you know, uh, talk about how percentages are bleeding nonce. <laughs> like, like you alluded to this uh, survey show that something on the level of 70 to 80 percent of the country supports renationalization of water, renationalization of the rails, things like that. They supported labor's economic manifesto mm -hmm. as kind of muddled and scattershot the way they rolled that out. And yeah. they didn't have like one simple slogan that like know, they did in 2017. The it, it was a catalog of, of things. Uh, uh, Len McCluskey, um, the trade unionist wrote about this, like as soon as it came out and he, it's like, well, okay. So the, the, the party, it was a good party that a good, they had a good message. They had good initiatives, or that the platform was, you know, not the party itself, because the party itself, by the way, was entirely fraught with. And this also horrifies me too, because it's like I used to think, well, when Bernie gets the nomination, then it's just going to be clear sailing. It's like, oh no, wait, when Bernie gets the nomination, he's going to be subject to a hostile party. Oh yeah, oh yeah, uh, um, like McGovern in seventy two. <laughs> uh, just the 
just a quick note on uh, on canvassing and in, in, in Doggoham. When I was uh, watching from afar, just you know, checking Twitter or whatever, I started like you know, the very very early reporting and results. And I, I knew I knew you guys were in, in Dagenham, and I saw an early result that said like uh, like you know Tories they're gonna are, lose Doggoham. Yeah, they're gonna, I heard they're that gonna too, lose yeah. Doggoham. Like, like, the Tories are coming yeah. out like you know much stronger than expected. All, oh, I, could, yeah. all I could think about. Was this this was because Virgil asked to use the bathroom <laughs> every person he knocked on the door of. These mean labor scroungers they'll come to your door and ask to use the loo. Yeah. Just alienating every like older Indian grandmother that lives in that in that area. Um, I'm hungry. <laughs> you're like, you're Ooh, like that, that smells yeah, good. I have Can I have some of it? Smells really you know, good you, in you, here. You, you asked cilantro in this. You, yeah, you asked to use the bathroom, then you asked for a cup of tea, a cup of coffee, and a Red Bull <laughs> from every single person whose door you knocked on, and they were just like, it's gone up the apples and pears, mate. These Corbin supporters are a bunch of, bunch of yanks, a bunch of yeah, wankers from New York. Yeah. Yeah. But the manifesto it was sort of sprawling and strange, and also a lot of the things that the people supported in it, like the nationalization of the rails... Um, this is technically illegal under the European Union. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, you know, just as well, because this is a good indication that plans don't win elections. And especially because, you know, there's it's a six-week election. Uh, maybe the manifesto comes in, like, week two, right? Yeah. So it's four weeks to sell this, like, big, sprawling concept that you don't have, like, one general idea for. Like, in 2017, it was... For the many, it, it not the few. reminded me of... Uh, was it Ross Perot who used to do the big like PowerPoint presentations? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, sir, sir, can you calm down, sir? Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? Can I finish? Like, no, you've been talking too long. I read in one, I read in one article, um, you know, uh, some staffer for like labor was complaining that, you know, we, you know, we keep saying a new thing every week uh, and uh, the Tories just keep saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. But that's how political yeah. communications work. You can only really get, especially in six weeks, you can only get like one concept through people's yeah. heads. Well, and, and this is, is why Bernie has is. a certain advantage that, I mean, they, there's always bitch about him being a ro- broken record. Man, that's his fucking strength. That's how it works. Yeah. yeah. That's what Medicare for say, all is good for. That's why uh, Jeremy Corbyn, pe- very nice man. But have you guys ever seen like any of his speeches? Sure. Yeah, like the Glastonbury yeah. one. Glastonbury that one's fun. pretty good. But also, there's um, does this thing every once in a while where he's like, so my line on on jazz was always like the best jazz speeches are ones where you can forget that he's a vegetarian, <laughs> um, because sometimes he goes into this sp- spiel that he really liked. It was like, and every child can write a poem and you're just like Shh, please shut up, <laughs> shut up. I, I love you that's so sweet um he but really have is you like a been to northern england it is socialist. it is a fucking it's detroit but full of less attractive people like he's like a, he's like a fancy fabian boy just imagining future utopias i know very hg oh, wells so character yeah. And and he had the best of intentions. He really and did. He's been truly resilient, but like his com- him out. combined with just like the fucking like shit hostility of the party, like it, they just were not able to convince people that labor could get the job done. I mean, there was there was a there was a a, a paradox built into the foundation of the Corbyn takeover that was going to undermine it eventually, and mm-hmm. that is the only reason that the totally hegemonic Blairites nominated. Corbyn for leadership in 2015 
was because he was a joke. Yeah. Because he was someone no one took seriously. He was their Trump. And it was. Oh, let's let's put it. And it was it was it was like it was a condescending favor. It's like, oh, let Corb, let Jeremy have a turn on the pony. That'd be adorable. <laughs> That'd be adorable. And then, of course, what happened Jeremy is because, have a because of the failure of Blairism. And he ran off with the pony. Because of the failure of Blairism. I mean, it is yeah. really analogous to our situation yeah. is that they underestimated because they didn't realize the degree to which mm-hmm. the system was totally undermined by its failures and the degree to which people were willing for anything different. Mm-hmm. And so this goofy little guy became the vessel for the hope of everybody who was alienated by Blairism, just the way that Trump became the vessel for everybody who was alienated by conventional mm-hmm. politics. And so it totally took every. But what that meant is that once he's in power, he's still the guy that nobody took seriously. Yeah. And it's not just his politics that that's why. And it's not just that they take him seriously. They, real, they suddenly realize begrudgingly that, oh, they have to take him seriously. Yeah. And they had never planned on doing this at all. Yeah. And it was infuriating and so they like, resented he, he, it. And yeah. honestly, God, if they, if they had just had some real good Stalinized purged. That would have helped. On. That would have helped a they, lot. They just, just a few scouts. They would have helped a lot. Just a yeah. few no, fucking if they, scouts. If they'd done a little Pure 79 Starmer, party. That piece of shit. <laughs> so for, from our conversations, you know, I, I glean two things generally. One is that Jez's, you know, inner circle, his team had a lot of trouble corralling him and directing him in the, a way that Amber described. And interestingly, I, you know, I hear much a similar thing about Bernie. The difference is Bernie actually has really good political instincts. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, let Bernie be Bernie would actually work. So, I just, uh, would we like to talk about my article? <laughs> I, uh, one, one quick thing to your point about um, uh, Stalinist purges. I saw Nicholas Kristof the other day speaking about the UK election results saying, like, look, there's a lot of differences. You know, like, don't draw too many lessons uh, from like the experience of Corbyn. Yeah, but, don't but, draw too many lessons. <laughs> Please don't learn anything. No, but what he said was, um, like, due to due to like the nature of the American system of government, like, you know, it, should Bernie Sanders get the nomination, he won't be able to do quote Corbyn like purges of the party. And I was just like, if only, holy if shit, only. He was like, oh my god, like that is the first thing he needs to do by any means necessary oh, yeah. is fucking just just oh. I'm telling you man 79 bath party conference <laughs> open half up those you, windows get half the- of you have to kill the other half yep <laughs> gentlemen you know what you know uh, as the famous uh, you know who's the robber baron who said uh, I can always pay one half of the Democratic Party to kill the other half or the, the poor <laughs> well I know that I'm I'm updating oh, it for right, yeah, yeah, our right. purposes and that, and that was the other thing of course that you know their their national campaign operations were really screwed up by that division in the party right. oh it was huge it was it was it was chaos and it interfered with so many things and it and it really weakened people's confidence in the party so that even people who did like Corbyn were just like well they're not going to let him get it done well, feel- Amber like you, you know uh yeah to 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 your article like you were you were probably the person I know who is you know the most steeped in this history like this this life yeah. you're writing a book about you know this yeah, the, uh, the, it, it, I, I, my, oh god, it's so awful. You're, you're my, my, uh, in my proposal, I said, well, this is about uh, the rise of post-democratic politics, post Cold War, post neoliberalism, and now it's kind of about the rise and fall, <laughs> at least half. But we still got a shot. But you know, like you, you spent the the most amount of time there. You know, the most amount of people there. Um, 
you're, you're, you're like they're all to my this. friend. Yeah. We all hold hands. Yeah, you're the closest to this of, of any of us. And you know, you you had an article. They, you know, they let you into their magic tree. <laughs> cast spells. I told you not to talk about the magic tree on, on, on audio. So uh, why don't you, why don't you take us take us through this from like from your perspective? Um, so I co-wrote something with uh, Anton Yeager, who's a, a Jack of an editor called uh, Corbin Lost, but Bernie can win. Basically, uh, arguing that we have learned some things from this that are essential because there are differences, um, but there are also some very similar obstacles. But I start out sort of talking about the Durham Miners Gala, which is like this huge celebration of um, the miners who no longer exist in the UK. Uh, the entire They've all been molested. <laughs> The union was busted in a, in a in a strike in eighty four and eighty five, and it's kind of a, it was kind of like a, a harbinger to the to the end of history. It was the last major defeat of social democratic politics of labor politics in Europe. It's a it's one of these world historic tragedies that I think they even haven't totally acknowledged. So two years ago, I went and it was just like amazing. And by the way, hundreds of thousands. I think there's like two hundred thousand people are in this town called Durham which is like it has like a college and like I don't know a top shop like it's <laughs> like it's huge it's or it's just so full of people like the full of people and you go in and there's all these lovely nor- northern people who you know worked in manufacturing or came from manufacturing towns or you know their grandfathers or fathers were miners and you see some of the old miners and and it's this huge celebration for you know the, these people who like built the world and I thought this is going to be sad uh, because none of them have any jobs anymore. <laughs> but actually, apparently, and this was maybe for the first time in a while, they were the, the mood was extremely positive. Everyone was so excited, and Jeremy Corbyn took the stage, and everyone was cheering wildly to everything he said. It was a huge reception um, from like you know young people to all these like you know old former coal miners. Like it was, it's very multi generational. It's amazing. And I don't know. I was just really full of hope. Everyone, everyone was like, you know, riding high on a beautiful wave. And the next year, uh, people, the mood was different. What, what year was this? The next year you went to it? The, this year. This was twenty nineteen. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. And um, they were kind of tired and nervous, and it was the still still the same number of people. But the one thing you noticed that was not there the year before was a rash of European Union flags which had apparently been bussed in by uh, one of these uh, kind of astroturfed organizations I think headed up by this guy Michael Chesham who is slimy and disgusting and um, the sort of people who otherwise would not have shown up to the Durham Miners Gala. Now you, I cannot stress enough how instrumental the European Union was in crushing the miners and in crushing that strike and in destroying the industry and obliterating a huge force of union labor. So it was, let's say, a little uh, tasteless at best and hugely disrespectful at worst. Like, it made no sense. It was like, motherfucker, do you know where you are right now? Even if you are, like, skeptical about leaving the European Union, read the room. 
It's like we're in a bloody Gooner jersey to yeah. city. <laughs> exactly. It was like a bad thing. And it was just like, oh, no. That was the time when I'm like, this is about to go tits up. These people are um, kind of sucking the energy out of the room. But it's very sad. Uh, and basically, the, the, the moral of the story is that the party, no matter how good they were, they were unable to convince enough people that they were ready, willing, and able to get the things done that, that only two years ago they really supported. So it's incredibly sad. It is, uh, it's not one of these, oh, well, we can take this energy. No, it's sad. It was a defeat. Um, and I don't know how long it will be before they get another chance. But now the people who have to save social democracy are the people who have never had it. It's us, folks. And, uh, you know, that's, that, that's, that's a lot of pressure. But Bernie can win. Fuck it. Let's do it and be legends. Bernie, we are going to be bloody legends. We're going to be We're going to be legends. bloody legends. Now, I didn't put this in the article, but we have... Two advantages that, like, Corbyn didn't. One, and the Democratic Party has uh, done a lot of this work for us. Bernie's not a Democrat. Damn fucking right he's not. <laughs> That's like the, he should it's put that on his, his fucking chief, bumper stickers. Damn chief fucking advantages right he's not. Yes. You do not recognize, do you not understand in your pea brain yeah. that to anybody who is not a uh, MSNBC zombie, yeah. that to not be a member of the Democratic Party mm-hmm. is a huge advantage. Yeah. One of the most dog shit brands on the planet. He is not, he he does not have like the stink and horror and betrayal of Blairism hanging around his neck. Yes. And that is amazing. That's like saying like, uh, he's not a Boeing Supermax jet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Amber, and what, but the, sorry, the second one um, is uh, he's not a nice man. And poor Jeremy Corbyn was a nice man oh, so who nice. wanted to who was like, well, we're all friends here. I, yeah. I'm going to form a cabinet of adversaries. Bernie's yeah. not going to do that. Bernie knows that liberals hate him. Yes, and he hates and them. And he hates them. He and will he welcomes them immediately. their hatred. It's going to happen. So we, he has those two advantages. Yes. He's um, going to show up to the fucking DNC with the fucking helmet full of grenades <laughs> just have everyone pass one around yeah but uh, then but, i have four reasons why bernie could win but uh, just your point about um it's now on us the people who have no experience of it to save social democracy Woo! <laughs> this is something I, I i realized or like like talking to people when we were on our european tour last year and like all these people were coming out like from you know in germany to like hang out with us and talk to us and it was sort of like always weird i was like well you know why why do you, why are you interested in anything we have to say? <laughs> and the thing they told us is that like, you know, look, we have this experience of socialism or like labor movements or like labor parties, you know, here and we can sing all the old songs and stuff and we're trying to rekindle the embers of like a fire that's gone out mm-hmm. and, and it's sort of like it feels kind of stale or like the weight of the tradition of it mm-hmm. sort of bears down on it. And what they what they said and what they see in us is that like because, you know, we're idiots, or at least speaking for myself personally, like coming to it like almost totally blind. Yeah. It's like we're trying to start a fire from scratch, mm-hmm. which is like maybe you know harder, what? but it's also kind of more liberating in a way. It's harder, but also we don't have 
the baggage and the anxiety. We don't have the weight of dead generations yeah. weighing yeah, yeah. on our fucking brain. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's nothing on our brain. Nothing here. It's empty. We are free and clear. uh, You know, Joyce said, uh, you know, history is a nightmare from which we're all trying to awake. And like in America, we're just like, dude, I'm on that ambient dog. Like, I'm I'm eating at night. I'm sleepwalking into my fucking car. But you know, that's fun. So, but Amber, though, but uh, get into the. We do want to learn a little bit of things. Yeah, but let's get into. You know, I, like, I don't want people to walk away from this episode feeling like they have to draw a warm bath and, you know, go down nah, the street. Nah. No. But, okay, so what, so what are the, what are the positive march. things? What are the four reasons here? Okay. So, first of all, what we weren't learned from Corbin and basically starting from 2016 is that we learned to count. And that is very important. There's something about political people is that they can't fucking count. So the idea, math. the idea that you can replace here, I'm just going to read from my own thing. The idea that you can replace workers with students and middle class progressives from urban centers was bad math well before the failure of Corbynism. And perhaps the UK left would have avoided this mistake had they too been haunted by Chuck Schumer's famous last words. For every blue collar Democrat we lose in Western Pennsylvania, we will pick up two moderate Republicans mm. in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Mm. And you can repeat that in Ohio, Illinois and Wisconsin. For fuck's sake. I, I kind of, I don't know. I feel like that is true that they gambled wrong, but they were kind of fucked because you could say they shouldn't have made the trade of working class for, you know, the, the urban, uh, uh, you know, uh, econ- you know, the urban bourgeois or whatever. But the fact was by 20, 2019, if you let go of one, you're, you're going to lose one of them and that's going to fuck you no matter what. And they made a choice. But it was like they were constrained because it's not I like think they, they made the wrong choice. You. At right. the very least, but we know that they didn't you. make the right one. If they, well, we could say that. But I think you can also say that if they'd made the other choice and said, fuck you to all those urbanites, that they would have lost anyway because of defections of the Lib Dems. I disagree. So here's the thing. This is a Bernie would have won situation. Let's say Bernie wouldn't have won. Well, we now know that Hillary wouldn't have anyway. So clearly, like working backwards we can at least guess that it would have been a better bet to actually try and uh, engage with the working class rather than like middle-class cosmopolitans. And the other thing is that liberals actually, sometimes they defect. Yes, it's true. But fundamentally, they're rear guarders and they go where you fucking tell them to go. You woo the working classes, you bully the middle classes. Carrot, stick. The thing is, I, I think they were, I honestly, st- that might have been the case. I would say that there's also a good chance that they defect to the Lib Dems and they still lose. But They'd I think, lose the, some I for think sure. the argument would be, the argument really for uh, the, the go to the, to the North, go to the labor red wall and rebuild it argument is not anything to do with this election. I think they're fucked either way, honestly. I don't think they would have won. Uh, maybe not, they, but I they feel loved like they would have been, been in just as much of a fucking They pickle. loved them two years ago. But that they would have been positioned in a better spot to move from that defeat. But I honestly don't know if they could have won. It feels to me like a fucking uh, Kobayashi Maru situation. I, we can agree that they would have been better off. Right? In the long term, yes. Yeah. I don't know what the medium term would have been. But I, yeah, there's just, I just yeah. feel like they were fucked because you, they had this, they'd established this coalition and Blairism had done this. And you can't just undo it overnight. It's you know? true. It's very difficult to earn trust after exactly. that long. See, that's my concern. However, they had much more support two years ago. And this entire fucking thing ran out for... Anyway, anyway. 
They're going to say, like, we can't overestimate the political potential of middle-class progressives. But also, and here is where I linked to a a Kushbaum tweet, we should pay (laughs) close attention to the loyalties of the professional left. And uh, Matt found this uh, lovely little tidbit on, uh, on, on gender trouble. Oh, God, this was so amazing. I didn't find it. God bless the person who did. They're mad at me for stealing their tweet. I'm... I should really look them up. In fact, maybe I will at the end of the episode and shout them out so they'll stop being mad at me. But somebody found... <laughs> I will never through, stop being mad at me. ...to the FEC uh, website uh, that... Oh, yeah. <laughs> ...that Judith Butler, queen of gender studies, mm. author of Female Trouble, uh, that she, her first and biggest political contribution of the 2020 presidential election season uh-huh. was to Kamala motherfucking Harris. Yes. Kamala, it- discipline and punish Harris. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it all comes back to Foucault. Indeed, always, always. No, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is that, like, maybe question what a what a radical sort of means in these situations. But it's just also, again, it's a matter of counting. Even among the Bernie Kratz, like Jacobin readers, the dirtbag left and rose emoji Twitter won't replace a mass movement of working people for whom politics is not an identity or career, but a means to an end. Wait, you're, you're, you're telling me this now, Amber. Oh, no. After all the work I've put in on this fucking show. <laughs> God damn it. Motherfucker. Well, guess I'll just, yeah. Guess I'll just uh, fill my stone, fill my pockets with stones and walk into <laughs> the ocean. Okay. So second, uh, the American left can't be held hostage by professionals like. However precarious and downwardly mobile we may be, the middle classes and our particular passions can't be the primary audience of the campaign or the activist left who often have their own economic incentives for pushing that agenda. Um, I don't know how to talk about A.D. Barkin without getting into trouble. I would avoid it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> I would uh, let's no, say let's, this. Let's I think one. we yeah. all know some people. Okay, let's say this. <laughs> no, no, abort, 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 in the game. All right, cut that. But we will say that a lot of the people who maybe you think of as a, okay, working families party. Okay, that's, yeah. It's, they've done some decent work, but um, we know who butters their bread. So don't necessarily defer to the professional activists on this either. Anyway. Third, youth is not a class. Well, this is a this is a big one because like you you look at the results here and it isn't like in whether it's this country or the UK, it is very stark mm-hmm. in terms of like over and under forty years old, fifty mm-hmm. years old, 50, 50 years old. Is that mm-hmm. the, the real cutoff? Yeah. It's very. That's stark. not even old people. Yeah, like, yeah. That's not even young people. Like, right? Like, yeah. Like I'm a spry forty-two. And in England, that's like being a hundred. <laughs> you just keep swelling. I mean, it's so hard to tell. It's so hard to tell. You could be eighteen and just, just look yeah. fucking fifty years old. Well, yeah, five minutes. Ooh, they of sunlight age hard. Ages they age hard there. But no, Amber, like you, like you, yeah, you, you look at the, the splits. Yeah. Whether it's in this country or the election that just happened in UK, and it is very, very stark. Right. But like, why and that is that keeps like, happening over yeah. and over again? Where people are like, "Oh, the youth will save but like, us." Why is that kind of like like a, a sort of a fool's gold, or like or like not? It's not as telling as you think it would be because the zoomer of today is the boomer of tomorrow. Well, my question about Keep, the- it's like it's like the demography thing. Sorry, it's like the demography thing too, where it's like, oh, well, as soon as there are enough brown people, then we'll all. Or it's like as soon as this generation, it's like no, they 
they get jobs and grow up. And I've, I've been trying to think about the, this thing because the, the data is just so stark on, on the age gap that I've had to deal with it both here and, dur- and during this last election that I've been having to like, try to grapple with it. And I, I absolutely share your instinctive revulsion towards generational politics. It's a dead end. It's liberal. It's not in any way Marxist or dialectical. But what I've come to kind of think about is just like, all right, imagine where you have to be in a country like the United States or the Great Britain, as you're like a 50-plus person, right? You are either economically secure enough that the, you know, that the economic appeal of socialism doesn't really register, it doesn't move you because you don't have those material concerns, or if you have made it that old, and as we know, old people or uh, poor people die younger than old people, which is why the old people cohort is so reactionary. It's made up of most mostly richer people who've lived that long because they could. They made it. But even the poor, but the thing is, is that the poorer people who have lived that long have seen nothing but failure yes. and cynicism and disappointment the in the lifetime of politics. So had... they have no remaining belief yes. or investment or in the credibility of the political system. The older people in the UK have spent, their lives being betrayed by labor. Exactly. The older people in the U.S., the poor, poor, and they, we have huge elder poverty in both of these countries, by the way. It's the whole, like, okay, boomer thing kind of doesn't make that much sense because old people are actually very poor and not doing very well. I mean, there's a lot of rich old people, but, like, elder poverty is, like, insane. But, like, they have watched the Democrats fuck them over. They have lived to watch exactly. the union movement crumble under the Democrats, sometimes by their hands. So the challenge is, how do you repair that breach of trust? How do you reattach that severed limb? And they weren't able to do it definitively, we saw. They weren't able to do it because, honestly, if they really made themselves credible, if, if Jeremy Corbyn was a credible guy offering the social democratic agenda, I think people would have overlooked Brexit or anything else because those are all just subsidiary concerns of a greater economic disenfranchisement and alienation. Mm. Somebody gets to the root of your concern and you think they can deliver, that's what you care about. At the end of the day, they didn't think he could get it done. And the thing is, is the challenge is, is how, do you, how do you reestablish trust. the trust? Yeah. And I don't know how. We know Corbyn didn't, but I don't know how you do it. This is my fourth point. Finally, we understand that this is first and foremost a campaign to democratize the economy and build working class power, not a moralist crusade to convert every American to the cultural etiquette and private language of a self-appointed left. The problem with left-wing campaigns for a while is that they've been very moralist in tone. They've been very, um, you know, every child gets a poem in tone, and they have not been about strength and power and even the manifesto i love it but they're like we're gonna give you all these things that sounds like a lie i mean it just sounds like how many times have poor people been told that they're gonna get all these things but anyway also to to the moralist point people don't need to be lectured on how to be good because people are already good Generally, and we like them and we care about them and they deserve better and they deserve control over their lives, the wealth they produce and the political machinery of this country. And that is the winning message of the Bernie campaign. That is how you build trust. You don't just talk about we're going to give you these things. It's going to be great. We're going to talk about we are building power together. I will say that the thing that uh, that there was a BuzzFeed article about yeah, the Bernie I campaign talk about that. that really was great and what it pointed out and really un- underlined is that 
at some level, Bernie understands uh, because he really has like he's a mentat for America's leftist tradition. He's absorbed the entire thing into his being. He's a lawnmower man. <laughs> so he understands the challenges posed by trying to like reorient, recreate a left movement in this country. And so this it, that uh, article talks about how as like the 2016 campaign was premised on the big RAS rallies, and that was to give him credibility because this is a guy who came out of nowhere. Now that he's more well established in people's minds and he's uh, already a household name it's about reorienting reorienting the campaign around amplifying the stories of just regular people mm-hmm. because if the to- if the political class has been totally uh uh their credibility has been destroyed by generations of neoliberal ruin then you rekindle that credibility by getting someone to vouch for them and, and if you have other people saying we're all suffering from the same things this is the solution. You have gone around the decrepit, uh, uh, you know, sense of trust existing between the political party and the people, and gotten around it to be just people telling their stories, recognizing common plight, common, uh, uh, you know, exploiters, and directing the energy that way. And it's about power, not charity. And mm-hmm. I think one of the someone said that you know, for the many, not the few, is nice. And good, but somehow with the manifesto being sort of like a shopping lift of offers, it sort of is like, well, shouldn't it be by the many? Mm. You know? And that's why not me, us is so is a stronger one. That's such a good point. The thing oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, it's like, yeah, for the many, not by because that is at the end of the day, that's why nobody. We're not bought giving it. you things. We saw so many We're taking power. Who say like, oh, they have, they're going to do X, Y, and Z, and yeah. their answer was, yeah, they say that all the time. Yeah, they're going like, to give us this. Of, it's from, a bunch man- of fucking con artists. Manage us from on high. Yes, like it and, has to be a yeah. collaborative process. Yeah. And the thing is, that's why it's so such a challenge because, like, uh, the neoliberal era has been battery acid on social cohesion and social bonds to the degree that the kind of organization that makes citizen participation possible is unthinkable. Yeah. So like you're recreating the very idea of a fucking yeah. political commons yeah. out of thin air, out of a generation of amnesia. Yeah. Bernie isn't just promising you stuff. Everyone promises you stuff. The right wingers promise you stuff. Bernie is demanding we get a seat at the table. Yeah. And that we have to fight like the fight begins. Yeah. When we vote, which is why I'm a little worried because people are so conditioned to think that politics is, stepping into a booth two or four years Mm -hmm. pressing a button and then they go home and then something takes care of itself Mm -hmm. if that's the model then nothing will ever be accomplished Mm -hmm. and even if bernie wins it'll be a failure Mm -hmm. people have to change their relationship to politics and uh, participate but the thing that makes them want to participate is the feeling that they're actually doing something this is a fight control their destiny this is a fight for power and it is a fight for control over our lives and 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 the wealth we produce and the political machinations of this country and Bernie has a stronger message on that than Corbyn did. I, I struck that, well, I mean, just like if you, how, however you want to define it, if you just want to boil that down to numbers, forget why or how. Bernie, one of the most popular politicians in America by all measures. Corbyn, dog shit, sub zero numbers in personal likability. We could talk about mm-hmm. why that is, but that's the real material difference mm-hmm. is that they cannot do to bernie what they did to corbin even if they realize after iowa oh shit this is going to happen it'll be too late the public idea of bernie is too well established he's a good guy he's not going to bullshit you he's crazy he's not bernie. just a good guy he's a strong guy he's exactly. a fighter he's a fucking bulldog the, the, honestly i feel like the trump's um 
nickname for Bernie tells you all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Tells you that Trump, because Trump has this is really good. Trump yeah. is a moron, but he has an instinctive understanding. Oh, of the he's electorate. so good at bullying. He has, and he's a he's a master he's, bully. He yeah. goes for weakness. Uh, that he is a he's a tiger shark, just like smells the blood and goes for weakness. Uh, and and so he knows who is a, a threat, and he knows who he can fucking bully into submission. And so he gives them nicknames to try to set the public idea of them. It was Crooked Hillary in 2016. And it's like, yeah, she's incredibly crooked. Everyone yeah. understood that. And it reminded them every day what a fucking crook she was. This time, what does he call them? Sleepy Joe. He's <laughs> senile. He's sundowning Lil all Marco? the time. He needs a nap. Oh, Lil, Lil Marco. Lil, Lil Marco, uh, low energy Jeb. But like right now, uh, Sleepy Joe, he's a senile old man who's out to lunch. Watch it for 20 seconds and that confirms that. And so it reminds you of what you know about him. All he is doing is reminding you comically of what you already know about that candidate. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, she's phony. She's full of shit. Mm -hmm. She's a fucking white lady pretending to be an Indian. And you know what? Elizabeth Warren is insanely phony. Watch her try to prevaricate on Medicare for all in any interview or on the debate. And she just like the squirming energy of a lying bullshitter just wafts off the fucking screen. But what is the name that he gives to Bernie? He calls him Crazy Bernie. I'm sorry. Crazy Bernie is awesome. Crazy Bernie gets you a deal on speakers. Come down to Crazy Bernie's 50% off all hi-fi units. And And you know what? You go down there and you get a cheap fucking (laughs) hi-fi. Our our deductibles and premiums are so low they don't exist. It's insane. (laughs) So Trump even subconsciously understands who's the real threat to him. Yeah, you know what he's doing? He's dangerous Donalding Bernie. Exactly. Damn, two cool dudes running for president <laughs> against each other. Can't wait. Dangerous Donald and Crazy Birdie out on the street but, uh, in their doo-wop band. <laughs> matching leather jackets. But uh, to, to, that, to that BuzzFeed article about Bernie, the, the, the standout graph, and it's, it's the one that got shared the most, and it's the one that really, really stuck in my head because I think it really clarifies a lot of what I respond to in Sanders and what I think most of the people who support him respond to. They talk about like what distinguishes the way he campaigns from others is like how much he just wants. He doesn't want to talk to the media. He hates the media. He hates <laughs> everything. Well, about, he should. Yes, he as well, politics. he should too. Everyone who is just if you don't like, hate the media. If you're on the journal- left and you don't hate exactly. the media. You're a group. Exactly. Um. So, but, what he, but, 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 but you know when I when I did the interview with Bernie, the first thing he did is walk in the room, smell it, say it stinks in here. <laughs> Look at me. Go, what, what 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 the fuck is a podcast? So radio <laughs> on the internet for virgins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's get this fucking thing over with. And no, you're like, so, yes, yes. But what, yes he, what, what he does, you know, in in uh, in you know, in favor, like, uh, ah. what he does instead of that is he talks to people and he talks to people one on one or like you know about the pain in their lives, mm-hmm. the misery, like the 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 the, the suffering that from the small to the great that they experience on a day to day basis but what's different about that is that it's not the the, like the the bill clinton dlc shit the i feel your pain thing and what bernie does that's different is he says like i recognize that this is why you're suffering but like we're all suffering Mm -hmm. everyone feels the same thing you do and most importantly you're not wrong to feel that way and the way that americans have been conditioned to react to the struggles in their lives is to turn it in on themselves and and feel self-loathing yeah. about why you're not doing better and or like, turn it outward in reactionary ways. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, and the way that like just the, the, for as long as I've been alive, like the liberal or democratic establishment has basically just accepts markets as like the weather that we've all just mm-hmm. decided mm-hmm. that this yep. is what can you do? unchangeable. Mm-hmm. And the best we can do is 
feel your pain in a way that is like phonally, like, you know, it sort of registers that we understand you in some vague way. But what we're actually offering you are the, you know, the skills wallets that you need to compete <laughs> in like our ever There is no alternative. <laughs> yeah. What Bernie is telling us we can control the weather. How about yes. six days? We can control the weather. How about six we will make it rain. Kids. How about we constantly have cops shooting at the feet of poor children to get them into schools? Oh, yeah, God, that, that, that was fucking Michael Bennett just said we need a six day week. We need for to basically turn our children oh. into fucking helot slave troops. <laughs> because we meanwhile, meanwhile, our fucking rich kids, the children in, in the in the in the private schools. Of course, there they would insist that their children need to be treated like fucking Emile from the goddamn Rousseau book and get to just like fl- grow in an in a unfettered freedom expression zone. Meanwhile, poor kids have to be turned into basically fucking galley slaves for the fucking uh, uh, SATs. Yeah. They uh, but that's what they deserve. Clerks, that's yeah. how they get out of poverty. Maybe no. some of them. But I'm just saying, like, this idea that, like, we're going to tinker at the edges, we're going to give you the skills you need to find the opportunities that will help you in our globalized, global solutions for a global world and our, like, entrepreneurial changing economy. Oh, and by the way, except unless you work in the healthcare sector, by the way, if you lose your job, then that's a fucking tragedy and that should never happen. Everyone else, <laughs> get fucked. Like, yeah, learn a new fucking skill. Go to the skills store. <laughs> we're offering discounts go we're going to we're gonna give you an earned income tax credit to go to the skills store and shop for the fucking skills you need to get another job skills supermarket sweep all the skills you can grab in 30 seconds <laughs> but yeah no it's just it's that like sense skills of uh, black friday where women are just punching each other in the face <laughs> to get the best skills but, but yeah it, bernie understands that you have to reestablish credibility mm-hmm. with your fucking claims before you can and he's got an edge anything because he's not a fucking democrat and that's one of the that's like if you don't recognize that that's a plus you fundamentally misread the moment as most people do because what they don't understand and i think this is on everybody from like the center left squishes to radical ultra leftists you might be able to convince them that there would be a, that you could uh you could say like the movement towards any kind of decent society, socialist, communism, whatever the fuck it is, it, we're, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We're in the marathon, and you can argue about where in the marathon we are. But I honestly feel like anyone who believes that is fundamentally delusional, and that where we actually are is we're in a goddamn medical tent reattaching someone's leg. Like we're at the stage of just creating the fucking connections that would be the bare minimum yeah. for a leftist movement. Yeah. And so you have to ask yourself when you look at Bernie. What is he? What is his position? He is a grizzled old sawbones. He's Doc Cochran from fucking Deadwood, <laughs> and his job is to put those fucking legs back on, and yeah, to, to make it possible for you to run the goddamn marathon. We have to take our face off <laughs> and reattach it to another person's face and live their life. Yeah. Uh, real quick though, I mean, I, I brought this up on our last episode, but I want to I want to ask Amber and Virgil about it. To what extent do you think the uh, Corbyn's Labor Party is a, Corbyn himself is a vicious anti-Semite? Do you think that's oversold? I, the, the I, oversold? Think, I think it was. I don't think anyone believed it. Yeah, I, I don't think. It, like, it was, I don't it, think yeah. anyone. I don't think anyone believed it. I think it was largely an extension of other issues that he was that it, there were elites that were saying he was too far left, and they were looking for like a, a wedge in. Um, I, it was, it was, by the way, a lot of people who were making those accusations were also extremely active in the remain campaign. Um, I, I think the, the damage it did 
was minor, but mainly to the degree that it made the party appear chaotic and it and people mm-hmm. sort of yeah. lost faith yeah. in 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 the party operating. Yeah, it, it, I I would think maybe it contributed yeah. to uh like that case, maybe, maybe in a practical sense, yeah. because it became an easy excuse for the anti-Corbyn MPs to not yeah. cooperate with the exactly. national campaign and and a bunch of suckers too, a bunch of fucking suckers who are like, well. We do have an anti-Semitism problem. It's like, oh, yes, maybe a little blood will satisfy these sharks. <laughs> right. But otherwise, you know. No, you double down. Uh, you double down. You invite Nick Mullen to the Labor <laughs> Conference. Yeah, right? no, as, as the great Scottish, uh, the great Scotsman Limmy says, don't it back down, double down. <laughs> don't it back down, double down. Will a opinion survey show that, like, the anti-Semitism thing was it, itself in isolation very, very low in any, like, voter's conscience, consciousness. Uh, that being said... Oh, crap. Sorry, I forgot the second part of that. I'm tired. I would just yeah, say I, I that... Think, I think it was, I think it was a, a diversion and to the degree to which um, it uh, affected people's perception of, of Corbynism was more that it was like, wow, even his own party won't stick up for well, him. Well, the, the real problem is, you know, when the media is only talking about anti-Semitism, well, they're not talking about other things. They're not talking about the NHS. I would it's a, s- yeah, distraction. I, I would say that anti-Semitism is best understood as a leading indicator of a general two-year-long conspiracy of the British media to libel and undermine Corbyn for political purposes. Yeah. Oh, oh, I would say well, that's because they tried with, with uh, the IRA exactly, and Jezbollah. Exactly. They threw a million and things. And they're like, and, ah, Jews! And it's like... The Jews think just it, – it doesn't tell you anything itself. Like most people probably aren't thinking of it when they vote. But it is just like a tuning fork that resonates with the highest frequency of the mm. concentrated conspiracy of the mm. media effort right. to delegitimize him on purpose. And they're doing all this other stuff. Yeah. And, it's, and people are affecting – some people are saying uh, thinking IRA. Some people are thinking, oh, he's just a feckless pussy. Some people are thinking whatever. And, uh, but some people are thinking anti-Semitism. But that's just because that's like the highest – it's like – that's the thyroid uh, tissue collecting all the uh, the Chernobyl uranium, you know, whatever. <laughs> but it's a ge- it's just yeah. a second order effect of the entire uh, conspiracy, yeah. the literal media huge, conspiracy. Yeah, the conspiracy against which, of course, in Britain happens out in the open because that's how their media is. Well, you know, the, uh, I remember it now. The other thing is what I said at the uh, live shows. You're English. I mean, you're basically anti semites, right? <laughs> you know, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> But like, I, honest to God, that one of the worst things they did was try was you know give them an inch like within the party. It was the stupidest thing. You can't ever do that. You need to develop bullshit detectors when someone is being disingenuous. They're like, "Well, don't you think the party has a problem with anti-Semitism?" Be like, "No, and neither do you. This is bullshit. Yeah. You know it. I know it. No one believes that Jeremy Corbyn is racist against anyone." At all. I, I think the party as it existed when Corbyn took it over, when the the when Brexit became the uh, fucking wedge to try to break it apart, the coalition, and he had to pick a chunk, I think it was predetermined by the by the state of the coalition that the Blairites had created that it would go towards the cosmopolitans, towards the remainers. Because they were gonna have the most influence, they were gonna have the highest concentration of connections to the leadership they that were going to have the most anyway. consistent yeah. pressure to apply as opposed to those those far northern districts that don't have the 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 uh the uh, connections you know uh, uh, after seats. a decade plus of knowledge economy urban bullshit before we get to the closing of this episode i, I do want to segue to something else here 
David Adler, an acquaintance of mine, wrote a you know another fucking postmortem for the uh, UK election, and you know I, I you know some of it I agree with, some of it I don't. But uh, the interesting observation he made was that the American version of Brexit, the American uh, analog of Brexit, in terms of its symbolic power, in terms of like what it actually represents and is not uh, the election of Trump, but now it's impeachment. Yeah. And here's what I don't really agree with. And maybe this can be something we can hash out here uh, since, you know, usually when we get together and, you know, get some drinks in us, we pretty much solve all the problems. Yeah. Yeah. But then we don't remember it the next day. Yeah. Well, we got to record well, it. All. Someone's going to write it down. <laughs> So if you're out there, write it down. Don't send it to me, but write it down. <laughs> Scrawl it into a cave deep under the earth. Uh, it be a here, canticle for Leibowitz in 2,000 years. Here, here was his fear. It's that, you know, okay, so we, I agree with him to the degree that for Remainers, you know, the symbolism of Brexit, the guy I met in the fucking cafe said, but, but I identify as a European. Uh, <laughs> that is the same exact psychosis that our liberals have over impeachment and the meaning of this, which is again yeah. a yeah. totally symbolic process. Yes, yeah. correct. Like it's not going to have any it, real. It world doesn't effect. mean anything. They don't have any. They don't have any. And, and the problem is, like substantively, when you talk to people who supported the European Union, couldn't necessarily tell you exactly why. Because if they were concerned about immigration, they were like, "But the manifesto has a better and more generous immigration yeah. policy." If they were concerned about, um, you know, like whatever international cooperation they were like yeah but this place is just like crushing southern europe under its booth if if they were concerned like they didn't quite know what it was it's a symbol it's very much a symbolic thing it's their cosmopolitanism it it's what it's what they believe left internationalism is and uh here in the united states you know i don't know if amber you've been treated to this but on impeachment eve Hundreds of thousands of liberals oh. wet, gathered oh, in yeah. public oh. to sing impeachment-themed Christmas Very bad. carols. Very bad vibes. Carry signs. Some of the worst For, again, what is a totally symbolic Ooh, process brutal. that will have absolutely zero, zero effect like, on anything. political repercussions. Nothing. Means nothing. Couldn't oh mean less. God. Which is honestly, thank God it doesn't because... Like people are worrying about like it oh. meant nothing. It was nothing. It, Give me a second chance. <laughs> and even even Ted Lieu, the tweeting congressman, said on the floor of the house, and and I don't know if you caught any of the hearings. I caught about three minutes. Of I watched it, nothing. Where every single congressman just gets up and gives the same like two minute speech. Well, that except sucks. for my boy, my boy Clay Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> well, hang on, we'll, get to, we'll get we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, but t- Ted Lieu, even Ted Lieu, the tweeting congressman, said, you know, if Trump is forced to leave office in one month. In one year or even in five years, like he'll always have that asterisk next to his name. <laughs> he'll always carry the stigma of uh, being like impeached. Ro- like Roger Maris. Yeah. And, uh, you know, okay, so but here was Adler's argument that this will backfire by, in the same way that uh, by not respecting the Lee voters, not respecting the Trump voters will be, in some way, a drag on the Democrats' chances. And I, I'm not sold on it. No, because I you actually, don't need, the, I am you don't quite need sympathetic Trump base for that. You don't need to get Trump I'm, voters. I'm sympathetic to it. It, doesn't, it won't just piss, pick up, piss off the Trump base, is my argument. I would argue that it makes the Democrats look like people who are not, in fact, interested in campaigning and producing a political program that appeals to people and are, in fact, trying to gain power by doing intra-elite 
uh, you know, I checked the rule book bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Like, it makes them look like petty, sore losers. Well, the and, good news is it's going to be And it's not appealing. Soon. No one is getting, no one is like, oh, thank God. Like, this is not how you build trust. I'm just glad it's going to be over soon. I, I, I see that. I just, I'm just like, just thinking about the numbers, like just the raw number of Trump voters. It's just, it's just such a minority that, again, is not necessary to anyone. Well, and also, he, like, the, I mean, like, what, what do they think the Senate's going to do? Well, here's the other thing. Last time I talked like, to. Where, where were they going with this? Last time I went on Sam Cedar's show, it was like do, while that story was breaking and he was giving me all the Ukraine names. And, oh, no. You know, oh, so, you know, Chanko, I, I, uh, I, 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 he, he did a DM to Vladivostok <laughs> Steve. And, you know, I, 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 I like Sam. I think he's a good guy. But, you know, he still has the same kind of like, you he's know, got the boom, he'll, 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 he's Gen still X susceptible brand. to the same like, you know, lib shit. Yeah. And so he got really obsessed with impeachment. And his contention was, you know, well, of course, they're not going to remove him. But but this will help Democrats in the Senate races in like Colorado and Maine. No, because sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, but my point was, OK, well, isn't the inverse true? Doesn't this yeah. hurt Democrats hurt you, yeah. in their yes. prospects? Like, does this hurt Doug Jones yeah. or whoever's going to run yeah. in Kansas, or Kentucky? Mm-hmm. I think, though, the point is, is that it doesn't have as much to do with Trump's base as it does with people being like, really, this is what you're wasting your time with right now? And like that is it like we all know that it's fucking political theater and that is not the sort of thing that appeals to most voters. So instead of trying to make inroads with the sort of people that they've spent years and years and years destroying trust with, they're doing this fucking dumb, bad, boring TV show. Well, the, one, one last question then, you know, I, 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 I think I broadly agree with you in terms of the uh, political ramifications of this, but. Okay, isn't there a practical ramification that you know he did crimes? <laughs> like, shouldn't okay. they be doing? Here's a thing my about here's the my response to that. What have we learned from the Irishman besides the fact that Joe Pesci is a national treasure? We uh, don't. What I learned we from the learned, Irishman is that doing murders for your whole life for the mafia is fun, cool, glamorous, and because sexy. dudes we, rock. We learned that people don't really care about corruption if they think that motherfucker is on your side. Yep. I want a crook yes, that's, that's for me. That's true. That's very true. Hoffa did nothing fucking <laughs> wrong. <laughs> I want a crook that's on my side. And the truth of the matter is, Trump isn't on anyone's side. But there are still people who believe that he is. A lot of people believe it. Yeah, they think they're in on the grift, as Matt said. And that's the problem. So it's like, we're going to get you on technical... Like, to... Most people, they're like, fuck you. Glad he did crimes. Crimes are cool. Uh, well, just, just to wrap things up and close things out, like, I, I want to, I want each of you guys to, like, just share, like, your, your final thoughts on this experience. But, like, the, the one thing I, I wanted to, to say about this, I was not there with you. Um, and, you know, this is a, this is a terrible thing. And, like, I don't want to blow smoke up anyone's ass, but I feel like there are no moral victories in life. And you can't just, like, like well we tried because i mean there's no other way to look at it this is a brutal try in one hand and shit in the other this is a brutal defeat but at the same time i mean what i really want to emphasize is both to my three co-hosts who you guys going over there and doing what you did but mainly to uh all the friends that i've met in the uk through doing the show who have you know basically lived and died this shit every single day kept their biscuits um you know, fighting for their future, but let's be honest, like, like my future, your future, if you're listening to this show. Do, 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 do. Um, I, I was thinking about them 
in lead up to this election, and I'm thinking about them even more after this election. And I just want to say uh, my just undying love and respect for, for what you've done. Uh, yeah, and to that point, I would like to say another day. You will have another day, and it will take longer than you want it to, but you will have another day. And uh, you're welcome to come over and canvas for Bernie. <laughs> <laughs> Matt? First, I will say that what, one thing that I found was very clarifying about this whole experience is the understanding that the chief focus of the left, as broadly construed, must be on reestablishing credibility as a political current, as a organization as a, as any kind as an institution uh, infrastructure anything uh, being credible like uh, actually being able to to not just imagine a set of policies but to uh, propose them in a way that makes a, a, an un uh, you know it doesn't like matter how good you are if no one believes you exactly it was, that could make a bystander just believe you you know being credible I feel like that's uh, that's the new challenge that should be focused on above else. Everything should be filtered through the question of what helps to build that credibility, build that sense that you can invest as a person who's had their entire life formed by these awful neoliberal currents and has never had a say about it, to convincingly say to them, you should be involved in this. You should collaborate on this project. How do you make that possible? So I think that's the main task before us. And secondly, as, ter- as depressing and terrifying as it always is to see a result like this, it is true of, of the revolutionists. It's true, as the IRA said to Thatcher, you have to be lucky every day. We only have to be lucky once. <laughs> I want to thank everyone who came out and they canvassed. They made phone calls and they donated to fight for labor during these six weeks because everyone knew how daunting the challenge was and everyone knew how important this election was. And they went out anyway. I remember seeing on election day online hundreds of people showing up to canvas at a district because of a tweet that somebody sent out. Yeah. Moby went out and canvassed. Yeah. I think it was Moby. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, not Moby. Brian Eno went out and canvassed. <laughs> Those are not the same How guy. dare you? How dare How you, dare Shut up, you. shut up. How dare you? Shut, cut all of this and let me finish. <laughs> Stop it. Yeah, Brian Moby's Eno. Moby's American. Brian Eno. Brian Eno went out. Well, Moby's weird, okay. <laughs> Brian Eno went out and canvassed. Moby's also not a... Bridge. Okay, shut up. God damn it. Well, he did it. See, now I lost my damn train of thought. <laughs> you. Moby's weird, okay? People he put in a lot of work. Amazing People amount of work. It was incredibly impressive. I was incredibly impressed by the amount of work that I saw. And I hope that we can emulate that. Yes, and, absolutely. Iowa and, and everybody, man. Okay, can I finish? Can I finish? And I would say to them that this loss was not on them. Because from what I saw, labor had the manpower in this election. And they were capable of getting out messages to people like through face-to-face interactions even if people didn't want to buy the product even if you were screwed by the the dissension in the top ranks and the anti-corbinites in the party it's clear that you know that that activist infrastructure is there and will keep being there i just want to say uh, conjoining that is that they absolutely had the manpower but they did not have the airwaves and i feel like that is where they ended up being destroyed that level of uh, both campaign organization and grassroots organization at the bottom, not at the top, was so impressive. They they were so organized that they could get people to vote tactically. 
which I cannot imagine a billion years, us morons. No, we could do that if you told people that voting tactically meant that you could show up on election day in some sort of tactical outfit with a lot of (laughs) zippers and buckles and fucking... uh, Three vests. uh, Yeah, a vest and a Kevlar fucking netting, Kevlar bi-weave and some fucking uh, porcelain uh, anti-personnel tank uh, plates and... You're doing barrel rolls into the election. I think that would be fun. So, again, thank you, and we hope to do you right next year in the Democratic primaries. Another day. You'll get another day. Oh, and also, like, lastly, uh, Jez, if you're out there, it'll probably be easier for, I mean, for you to come on the show now. So if you want to take it to a Brooklyn and talk to us, we don't even have to talk about this politics. Jez, shit. if you want to leave that shitty island, you can live in my house. We can watch Netflix together. We can talk to you about trains, sewer grates. Gardening. Gardening. We have a, we Tra- know a, track suits. We know anime. a lot of people who are into all of these things, Jez. <laughs> you would fit in so well here. You could be all of our dad. <laughs> we'll watch The Mandalorian together. <laughs> Uh, so what do you say, guys? Think that does it? Pip pip cheerio. Bob's your uncle. <laughs> You're uh, a bloody legend, mate. Cheers, everybody. We love you. Thank you. Bye. The warmth of your love's like the warmth from the sun, and this way.